Well, hello again, uh, Bell Press. We are later on going to be having communion if you want to run and get some elements, or you can just participate by praying with us. Um, because it's been a difficult couple of two weeks, particularly with racial divisions in our country, it just didn't feel right to do a sermon um, th- today. So instead, uh, Pastor Harvey Drake and I are going to have a conversation uh, that's going to be grounded in Christ and scripture about how do we find healing and reconciliation and hope in the middle of all the division that we are uh, encountering. Uh, Pastor Harvey and I believe very deeply that the only answer here is Jesus and his people. And as Pastor Harvey has said many times, uh, this is a sin problem, not a skin problem. And I want to just start by a a passage of scripture, Ephesians chapter 2. Many of you have heard this and it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Apostle Paul is talking to Jews and Gentiles who had hated each other for centuries, deep animosity, and they're now in the same church and he's talking to them. And he says, you who have been far off have been brought near through Jesus Christ for he is our peace. He is, nothing else. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the, that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances <clears throat> that he might create in himself one new humanity in the place of two, thus, thus making peace and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. And we would like to put to death the hostility that is in our country right now. And Pastor Harvey Drake, we've known him a long time. I've known him 17 years. He's been a friend of this church. He's been helping us out the last couple of years. And, and uh, Pastor Harvey, I know that the last couple of weeks have been very hard for you personally and uh, hard for people of color. Can you just talk a little bit about your experience um, the last couple of weeks? Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Scott, for the opportunity to be here with you and to have this conversation. Yeah, the last couple of weeks really have been a really really tough. In fact, last week I cried multiple times. Uh, and one in particular, I was on, on the Zoom call, obviously with my staff. And uh, as we were working through this, I just broke down and cried. You know, you know that kind of cry you have when you can't breathe through your nostrils, you have to <laughs> breathe through your mouth. It was that kind of cry. And I was crying, number one, because of Ahmed Arbery, obviously, thinking about Breonna Taylor, obviously, thinking about George Floyd. And then I was just thinking about just the brokenness in our nation as a whole, and I'm asking what's going on. But then I began to think about the church and the church's role and what we are doing and not doing. And I just, it just broke me because I had this very strong sense that God wants his church to bring about some kind of tangible, uh, radical transformation and change. And I just feel like we're not living into that. And I just broke. Mm. And as a result, my staff, you know, we were all kind of booing together. But uh, in spite of all the tears, I still have hope because I believe that God can use us to bring about a radical change. And that's what I'm hoping for. And I I believe that too. And the church has been both on the wrong side of this for 400 years and the right side for 400 years. I mean, we've contributed to the problem the church has. The church has also led civil rights and abolition and all of that. Um, But I think, you know, last week, people of color were having a very different experience than people like me who are white. And I know you've had some experiences uh, recently. I mean, in the last 20 years, uh, like how did we get here? Like how did the church get to this place? And like, tell us some of your experiences with this. Well, let me just take you back a few years. uh, Actually, 86, I was in Mendenhall, Mississippi, went down to observe a ministry there because we were trying to figure out if we could do something similar here in Seattle. And uh, while I was there, I learned 
that the black women could not go to the white Bible study at the white church. In 1986. In 1986, even though it was publicly uh, mm -hmm. advertised. And it just shook me as being odd in 86. It was not 46 or 36, yeah. it was 86. And then in 2013, my wife and I were on vacation in New York City, and we were in Times Square. And that particular Saturday, uh, July 13th, um, George Zimmerman was acquitted for the murder of Trayvon Martin. And a thousand-person march came down Times Square, stopped traffic in every direction. We could not move. We could not budge. That was Saturday. The next day, Sunday, I went to a very well-known church that's known across the nation and probably the world. And the church happened to be led by a white pastor. The church is about a third African-American, Hispanic, Asian, and other ethnicities and whites. And not one word was spoken at all. Not a prayer, not a lament, not a sorrow, not for George Zimmerman, not for Trayvon, not for our nation. And it just struck me as odd that the church would be that silent mm -hmm. around something that huge. Mm -hmm. And it just broke my heart. And I, and I, and I kept saying, there's got to be a way that the church can help in this situation. But in order for us to help, we have to do something. Yeah. And we have to start talking about it. And yes. I told you in the previous service that, you know, I'm pretty sure that I was quiet. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Sunday I didn't say anything either. And I think that's been, that's been part of the problem. And I think that Jesus does have the capacity to, Absolutely. to, to heal this. This has been, uh, you and I have um, uh, talked about this. This has been um, framed in a lot of ways as a black people versus the cops kinds of thing, kind of thing. So are, just a minute, there's, are we good? Okay, sorry, there's, sorry, there's activity behind me. This has been framed as kind of people of color versus cops. Right. And you and I both agree that that's not really going to help us going forward. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? At some point, I think we just have to be honest about what's real around and what goes on. But at some point, we have to stop all the acrimony and all the blame so that we can get to some real solutions here, right? Mm -hmm. Because the more I blame you, the more you back up. The more you deny, the more I back up, mm -hmm. right? And the angrier I get because I don't think you're listening and you get angry because I keep accusing you of everything. Now, I will say that I do believe that white men are guilty of a lot of stuff, but not all the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the, that. You, you know that's a joke, right? <laughs> I hope you got that as a joke. Um, and I think we have to move beyond that, right? Yeah. And stop blaming each other and, and stop focusing on problems and focus on solutions. Yeah. What can we do to change things? Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, with police, there are, there are, there are, uh, People, people in law enforcement that are doing their job well and yes. they're, they're doing it right. And then there's some bad apples and we need some accountability there. And you've talked about that. Absolutely. I, I, I will go on record to say I am not against all police officers. I yeah. think it's, a, it's an honorable profession yeah. for people to put themselves out there to protect and serve. But let's face it, in every industry, there are bad apples. And when we find bad apples, we need to act swiftly and we need to have some accountability so that it does not keep happening. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that I've got to teach and train my sons, even my adult sons, even now I have to always remind them, please be careful if you have an encounter with a police officer because I don't want it to go wrong, right? And that's sad that we have to do that, but that's still our reality. That's not everybody, but that's somebody. And the church can no longer afford to deny that that still occurs. And that's part of the problem. Right, because we become complicit in it if we don't speak to it. And I'm hoping in this season that God will give us the courage to stand up and to speak up and to speak out when we see things occurring that are antithetical to what he really wants for his created order. Yeah, and I think in the church, um, 
at least theoretically, we would be able to have that conversation better. Because as you said before, we're, in, we're trapped in this cycle where if I feel accused as a white person, yes. then I'm going to deny, no, it's not true, and I don't, you know, that doesn't happen. And then you're going to feel unheard. That's right. Uh, because I'm not hearing your pain. That's right. And then that's going to cause you to accuse back. That's right. More. And then that's going to cause me to deny more. That's right. And we just get angrier and angrier. And in, in God's people yeah. should be able to have this conversation a little bit better because we got some spiritual resources and you've got experience with that. Can you talk about how do we do this better? Yeah, we, we, sh we should have uh, a better outcome because we understand things from a more biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. At some point, we got to stop seeing everything as absolutely political or social. A lot of what we we're trying to address now is spiritual in nature, mm -hmm. but we tried to solve them through social means and we have proof that it does not yeah. work. And Which, political means. And political means. It's not helping. It's not helping, right? Yeah. And we, we play sides and we, mm -hmm. we, and we have this acrimonious situation that we set up and, and, it, that is, and the church cannot participate in that any longer. Mm -hmm. And we've done that. We've allowed ourselves to be separated by politics. Yeah. Any conversation about race, I would say, should always start with theology not sociology. Yeah, yeah. But we always start with sociology, yeah. which comes out, out of our brokenness, which comes out of our sin, yeah. right? And at some point, we got to say, that's not working. Maybe, maybe we should start where God starts, and that is God has created us all in his image and his likeness. Mm -hmm. and, when we, and when we see each other the way God sees us, we will treat each other a lot better, right? Because the church has been complicit. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Um, the first time I went to South Africa, I was shocked to hear that the Dutch church supported apartheid. Mm -hmm. What? The church? You come back here, you know, uh, theology supported the slavery, right? Uh, Jim Crow laws were put in place, right? And the church supported it because they didn't say anything about it. They didn't counter it. They just kind of, oh, well, went along with it, right? And those are the kinds of things that have to stop. We have black institutions, Bible, Bible institutes that cropped up because blacks could not get into your mainline theological institutions. Mm -hmm. It was just this unwritten rule, whether it was written or not, that we didn't want them in there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and so because we didn't counter that, it has continued. Now it's time for us to stand up and counter some of the things that we know are not right. From a spiritual perspective and spiritually speaking, how do we have that conversation within the church um, between people of different races? Like what, what are things that allow us to have that conversation well instead of the vicious circle of accusation and denial? Yeah. First, I think we have to employ humility. Yeah. Right. Because even if I think I'm absolutely right, uh, you know, and I'm sure I'm right, I need to approach people in humility, not arrogance, not mm -hmm. not not pride. Right. So we start, I think, with that. I also think we have to come with a spirit of forgiveness. We all need to be repenting of something. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a staunch believer that we all every every race alive contribute something to the ongoing race problem. I believe that because none of us are absolutely innocent, right? I keep teaching my sons not to tr trust white men. Mm -hmm. Why? Because that's kind of in me. Whether it's implicit or explicit, it still occurs. I've got to understand that as I blame you, blame you, blame you, I'm adding to the problem. Mm -hmm. So we've got to stop that. We, we've got to have some forgiveness in this process. And we just have to start listening to each other better. I think listening is, is super important. I mean, I think five or six years ago, I was pretty silent on racial issues in, in the pulpit. And I would get emails asking me to not be silent and yes. engage, but I think a lot of what changed my heart was two things. One, Jesus. Mm -hmm. I just, I started reading scripture differently. That's right. I started to see throughout scripture, all the places 
In both Old and New Testament, I mean, there's, in the New Testament, there's hardly a book That's in the right. New Testament that does not talk about different ethnicities and races who've hated each other coming right. together, and Jews and Gentiles, and if Jesus did it then, he can do it now. And then Pentecost, the first church is multi-ethnic, multi-ethnic, and I started to see it everywhere, but the other thing that happened for me was listening, mm. and not trying to be defensive, but just tell me your experience. That's and right. Over and over and over when I started doing that, I started to hear people of color were having a very different experience mm. than I was having. Sure. And you can only hear it so many times before you start to go, well, there's a there there. You know, a, a black man, I've told some of the stories in sermons, a black man in my parents' church worked at a restaurant, restaurant was robbed, cops came, did an investigation, mm. could find no evidence that pointed to anyone, no evidence for, for anything the black guy got fired. Sure. You know, people in this church who've been in line and trying to write a check and, and, and they're asked for ID if they're a person of color and the white people in the line aren't. And you only hear it so many times before you start to go, there's a there there. But I also feel like Jesus was working in my heart yes. to help understand better. And I know you've said that, you know, in your BC days, your before Christ days, <laughs> yeah. that you had, you, didn't, you had to learn to trust and love white people because you didn't. Exactly right. I, I did not because of our experiences. My father was beaten to a pulp by police officers. And we've had so many experiences that go way, way back. But, but I also realized at that point that when I failed to see people the way God sees them, I treated them. i tell you this one story about junior high school. I was in junior high when the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. I was furious when school the next day. I don't ever remember bothering the girls, but we were mean to the boys. White boys. We, white boys. We beat them. We spat on them. We pushed them downstairs. We socked them. I'm not bragging. I'm lamenting, right? But I realized that was in my BC days before Christ. At that point, I was not seeing those young boys as people created in the image of God. After I come to Jesus and I have this transformation, I'm starting to read the word. I'm starting to agree with the word and and live the word. I realize how wrong I was. And I have repented of those acts over and over again because I just felt so bad. Right. And this is why I think you and I need to begin to read the Bible. All of us need to begin to read the Bible again a little slower so we can actually see what the Bible says. This is what I love about my friends in Africa and other parts of the world. They are not arguing with the scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the Bible says it, they do it. In America or the Western church, why? It, it can't possibly mean that, could it? Yeah. Really? Oh, no, this is a different day and time. The culture is different. Da, da, da. But the principles is the same. God tells us to love. God tells us to humble ourselves. God tells us to prefer others above ourselves. Why do we have such a hard time doing that? Yeah, and the Bible gives us resource words, you know, repentance oh. and confession, confession and forgiveness yes. and reconciliation. And these are words and concepts yeah. all throughout Scripture. And uh, we were talking in the earlier service about when Nehemiah goes to build the wall, he, he confesses That's the sins right. of his ancestors. That's right. Psalm 78, they confess the sins of their, the whole Psalm is confessing the sins of their ancestors. And I think that's part of listening. You know, when you feel heard, you don't need to accuse me. That's right. And when I don't feel accused, I can listen and to reverse that, 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 that cycle. Because they would say that riots sometimes are the voice of those who Mm -hmm. don't feel heard. Yeah. They get so angry that nobody's listening that they go off, right? But I think it also, when you talk about Nehemiah, it, it should help us to get beyond this. Well, I didn't do it personally. Yeah. Cause that's our big issue. Well, I, I'm not a racist. I didn't mistreat anybody. No, we did individually, but let's not deny that perhaps there are others around us. Yeah. Sometimes even in our family, 
Yeah. That did. Yeah. Right? And so Nehemiah did this powerful thing by saying, my fathers and I have sinned. Mm-hmm. Not, not, I wasn't even there when the walls were broken down and gates were burned. I, I'm here in Susa, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something powerful about us being able to say, you're, at, you're absolutely right. While I didn't do it myself, mm-hmm. we know it's happening, mm-hmm. and let's do something about it, right? Yeah. And, th- and, this is, and this is where we have to treat ourselves more of as a community. Because mm-hmm. God, you said in the very beginning, Jesus came, broke down the dividing wall to make us one. Not keep us separated, not keep us divided, but make us one, right? Uh, not uniform, but to make us one. And I'm praying with every ounce of strength that I have that God will get through to us and we will actually live into what God wants and stop living based on what we want, what we think, and what we feel. Am I getting too excited? No, you get as excited as you want, Harvey. All right, all right. I don't want to make anybody nervous. Right? The black man's getting a little too loud there. You know? Where is there hope? What can we do? What are things that we can do that, that can make real change? Yeah, I think it starts with, 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 number one, believing that Jesus wants this to be. Yeah. Right. And as as the church, that's where we should start. Right. Secondly, again, let's embrace what the word says and let let's live into how God is telling us to live with one another. I really should be preferring you over myself. And the powerful thing is that when we do this, nobody gets missed. Yeah. Right. We get frustrated when we don't get what we think we need. But if everybody did what God wanted, we'd all be covered. And then I think there's some practical ways we got to build some bridges. Mm -hmm. We have got to start. Uh, uh, denying what's happening and let's start listening to each other. Yeah. Start some friendships, some relationships, right? Let's work on some projects together so that we can come together. And there are some very practical things that we can do as it relates to addressing some of the systemic things mm-hmm. that we don't like. In fact, so, somebody said, uh, we get upset when you talk about systemic or institutional things. But the reality is it's there. I moved to Seattle 36 years ago. They were talking about closing the achievement gap between white and black students 36 years ago. They are still talking about it now. In fact, Seattle schools has the fifth largest achievement gap in the nation, not just the state. Mm-hmm. Right? 34% mm-hmm. of African Americans in Seattle schools today, only 34, I should say, read at grade level. Yeah. That's a travesty. And that's coming from the brand new superintendent. Yeah. So two-thirds of African-American kids are not reading it. And why is that after 36 years? After 36 years. Right. That's something we can tackle together. If you want to get to a to-do, what can we do? Yeah. Let's do something to close that gap. Yeah. I mean, actually do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we see actual transformation. Not just, don't give me lip service. In progressive Seattle, that should not be the case. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I think there's some hope because churches, I think that's one thing churches are churches, starting to recognize. In this church, we have Jubilee yeah. Reach, uh, Eastside Academy, and Kid Reach to that's help right. close that achievement exactly gap. Right. And I think there are other churches of goodwill. And that's a very tangible thing. Very tangible. Help. I mean, yeah. there, there are people in our congregations that, that have influence in business. Mm-hmm. Can we do some things to change hiring practices, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're guys who have been, let, let's say, in prison, mm-hmm. right? They've done their time. They come out. They want a new start. They can't get one because they can't find work. Somebody can say, let's relax the rule so we can, we can hire them so they can become assets to our society and not remain as li- liabilities. There are practical things that can be done if we have the will to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and to recognize the positions of power that we're in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, everyone, we all have some sphere of influence and we can do something. One would be to influence yeah. your company to work hard. I know a lot of companies are working hard to 
to have a more diverse staff. Yeah, some are doing it. Some are doing it, yeah. And if yours isn't, to influence that. Yeah. Um, look for systems that are maybe not, that are unfair, that aren't favoring, That's right. that are favoring one group over another. That's right. Um, and, 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 and those different things. And I also think um, for white people to begin to educate ourselves a That's little right. bit. I, I, one of the things that has been very transforming for me is be able to have hard conversations with you and ask hard questions and get to know each other. And right. while those are the experiences you're having and, and you vice versa, right? Yeah. When you yeah. discovered my dad grew up poor and yeah, homeless, yeah. that, you oh know. My <laughs> what? Yeah, there are, there are poor white people. Um, I was shocked by that, brother. I know you I, were shocked I, by that. I thought all white people were well off, right? <laughs> and so I didn't understand why they would get upset when they talked about white privilege. What's white privilege? Right? Yeah. But yeah. white privilege, unfortunately, has all, only been tied to economics. Yes. And so if you haven't, didn't have a lot of money, then you go, well, I was not a person of privilege. But we have to understand that privilege is tied to not just economics, but options and access. Yeah. Right? Connections. Connections. You know. Yes, yeah. right. Education. You name it. Hey, politics. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Politics. Yeah. It's only been a few years that they let some of us in Congress. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my dad, you know, he grew up homeless and uh, so very poor. And he actually, in the one conversation I had with him around this, he was able to say, you know, but had I been black, yeah. that it, it, was, it was already hard to sure. get out of what he sure. got out of. Yeah. Uh, but had he been black, it would have been even harder. And so what, 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 what would keep us from seeing that we have far more in common than we realize? Yes. All right. I mean, it's through the exchange of relationship and stories that we go, oh, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I can understand that. Oh, this is what you grew up with. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And by hearing each other, we'll realize, oh, man, we should be praying for each other, not criticizing each yeah. other. Yeah, and that, that, that brings us closer, closer together. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and I think for white people, I want to put out the caution there, this does not mean go to the one person of color that you know <laughs> and ask them everything. I think you want to start with resources. That's right. That's right. Um, and we've got some on our webpage. Uh, you can go there. I'd, I'd recommend Be the Bridge. Um, That's a good one. Be the Bridge or the movie or the book Just Mercy, also yes. very good. Yes. We have more on our website. So start there. Yeah. Because yeah. people of color right now, they're getting a lot of, you know, help me understand. Right. Exactly. And that's not, unless you have a pretty deep relationship, that's... That's, that's not the best place to start. Enough. We can. We, we want to learn bass. We go out and buy a bass guitar. We get yeah. music. We get lessons. We yeah. want to learn a language. We do that. We need to learn more about each other. So let's take some initiative, learn about others on our own yeah. first, and then let's build relationships. I really want us to start talking together more. Yeah. Start engaging with each other more, sharing meals together more, right? I, I want you to try some of my black eyed peas. I want to try yeah. those black eyed and peas. And would you try some chitlins sometime? <laughs> I, I love chitlins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you do because I haven't had them in a while. <laughs> but, you, but you might want to try my wife's gumbo. It is out of sight. Lord have mercy. Yeah. But, but it's in the exchange of who we are that we get to know each other better. And we can learn to appreciate each other. And it's the relationship, as you've been married for a while, I've been married for a while, it's the commitment and the relationship that helps us get through the hard times. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, in my 43 years of marriage, yeah. I'm only 42, but <laughs> in my 43 years of marriage, uh, we've had some tough times. But it was our commitment and relationship that got us through that. Yeah. We need commitment. Because yeah, it's not easy. Right? And we need stamina. Right now, we need to pray for stamina. If you want to know how to pray for me, pray that God gives me stamina because I'm tired. And I think we saw that the last couple of weeks with all the writing. Some people are just fatigued and they're fed up. But we need stamina to keep going because God wants us to, to do something. And I think the church, 
is the one who can do that because we have the power because we've got God, we've got the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, we have each other, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, the, some other folks don't have that. Yep. And so they go, I don't know if we can ever solve this. So we try to pretend like it doesn't exist anymore. We've gotten beyond that until something like George Floyd happens. We go, oh my goodness. Yeah. So the world doesn't have the power to do this. We have the power. The question is, do we have the will? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that. And I think that the church needs to lead the way on this. We have to lead. And, and we, can, we can be the answer and have been in other situations yeah. Yeah. and can be now. Because we, we need a gospel response. Let's face it. What we've tried in our humanness has not worked. Yeah. That's, why we'll st that's why we are still here now. Maybe it's time to give God a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to give God's way uh, an opportunity, right? Yeah. Because God, God loves this world, which is why he invited us, the church, those of us who know Jesus, into his, his plan to redeem this world. Yeah. As crazy as it is at times, God still loves it, and he wants to see it healed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we, with his help and his grace, can, can be the catalyst to that. And I'm hoping that we take this opportunity as a church to do just that. May this be the, this, this season. I believe this is an Esther moment mm -hmm. that we have been positioned for such a time as this because God wants to see this thing mm -hmm. actually change, not just activity, but actual transformation. And, and I, I, I agree with you. This is a, for such a time as this moment yes. for us as a church. And, and if we do this well, uh, will not only help bring healing because rioting, looting. I mean, that, that's bad, right? That's just destructive. Oh, my do anything. Yeah. The arguing on Facebook and Twitter, that's not getting us anywhere. But I do believe Jesus brings the resources and yes. we have an understanding of confession, repentance, forgiveness. Right. And if we do this well, yeah. I think it'll not just lead to greater reconciliation and justice, but it might lead to revival. That's right. And if the world can see us doing what they oh, can't do, oh, and we say it's because of Jesus, and because Jesus commands me to listen to you and really listen, and vice versa, That's right. and we are b building those relationships, and if, and if what hurts you starts to hurt me, mm. so I start to advocate so that you're not hurt, um, then, and vice versa, we, we are doing something that the world right now is having a hard time. We are family. We are it's family. not just a song. Right, we think about it when when God created this world in G Genesis. Go back to the book and read it. It says He created us all in His likeness, His image, and there is no no clause there, no loophole that says that the German woman is better than the Asian man. All right, the African woman is better than the Polish man. It, it's not there. You don't find it anywhere, and none of the languages at all. And, and God meant that He created us that way. And if we can ever latch onto that. Yeah. How transforming would that be to the entire world? When they see us, yeah. by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Why? Because you have love one for another. And we can actually have tough conversations mm -hmm. and not fall out and ridicule and demonize each other. I think the world will take notice. I think the world will take notice. And God's done it before. He's done it before. They were Jews and Gentiles. That's right. And he's done it in places like um, South Africa and in Rwanda That's right. and Northern Ireland. And I believe in a God of enormous power and particularly the power to reconcile. That's right. And because that's what the God. cross is about. That's right. Reconciliation between us and God, us and, God. and you and me. That's exactly And right. I believe that the power of God can, can do that. Oh, without question. Yeah. And the I world mean, will know. I mean, look at who we are individually. God has transformed us. Yeah. I could not trust white people before Jesus. Yeah. I just didn't. Now my position is I'm going to trust you until you give me a reason not to. Yeah. Right? I, I didn't want to be in relationship. I wanted to stay 
isolated by myself. But now that I'm in Jesus, I realize I can't do that. And so I've learned that there are some things that I contribute to the ongoing problem as well. And that's a realization that we all must come to. What is it, God, that I've been contributing to the ongoing problem? Yeah, and start with me. And start with yeah, me. Yeah, not you, but start That's right. Get me together. I think some things yeah. might change. And God made us different on purpose. Oh, what? <laughs> it's not like he made us and didn't know that, you know, we were going to be all these different races That's and right. cultures. He did it on purpose. He's got a creativity, yeah. man. Yeah. And uh, if we put it all together, we, we see the enormity of God, right? And let's avoid the the big mistake we make in, in reconciliation, we want everybody to be the same. That's not God's plan. No, no. You have something I need, I have something that you need, yeah. right? You contribute something, I contribute something, and we put it together. Again, we see the grandeur of God. Yeah. I, amen. Amen, Pastor Harvey. And I think communion, this table, is, is an important, is an, I'm glad we're having communion today. Yes. I'm glad it's a communion Sunday today because I think it's here that we do see reconciliation. Absolutely. Here we come, you and I come together, mm. uh, children of God, redeemed yeah. in Jesus yeah. Christ. And one of the big things we have in common is we both needed his forgiveness. That's right. You and I are both sinners and we stand on level ground at the foot of the cross. And this is a reminder. And even the word communion that has embedded in it, the word community. community. Yes. And this is where we have communion with God and communion, community with each other. And it is a, it is a table of union and uh, of reconciliation and not division. And I think even on that very first night when Jesus was betrayed hmm. and going to be denied by his closest friends, still he sat at table with them, still they ate together, still he forgave them, still they were a community. And in that meal, he said, after he had given thanks, he took the bread and broke it. And he said, this bread is my body given for you. Eat in remembrance of him. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, Scott, the uh, Bible declares that without the shedding of blood, there's no removal or remission of sin. <clears throat> and I'm so grateful that Christ shed his blood on the cross for each and every one of us, not just some of us, but all of us. And because of that, you and I can be free today. We are all free today. Mm -hmm. And so on that night when Jesus was having that special meal before he went to the cross, he took the cup, he blessed it, and he said, this, is the, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. And in our church, we hold the cup up as a symbol of the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. Let us all drink of the Lord's blood together. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, again, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you for the love that you lavished on each and every one of us, God. We thank you for the fact that we can come to you, lay our sins before you, God, and they will be removed and cast us to a sea of forgetfulness and forgiveness. Thank you that because of the blood, you have given us the ability to be drawn together as a body, as a family. God, and I pray that you would help us to live as a family, to live as a united uh, group of people who have been redeemed by you. You were broken for our sin. You shed your blood for that sin to be removed, and we're just so grateful for it. So bless your people, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.